Heavenly Father, remind us this morning, as we've seen Jeremiah 29, 11, you have a plan for us not to harm us, but to prosper us. Remind us this morning that we are a child of God. We're your heirs. And what's in your kingdom is in our kingdom. And Lord, we just ask you to continue to be with us, to open our hearts to hear your word. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. church to sit back and let Hitler seize absolute power. His firm answer was the cheap teaching of cheap grace. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ. Uh, I think that's something we need to know. Uh, if you study church history, somewhere in the 60s and 70s and really the 80s and 90s, as the church started to decline, if you look at the theology, the theology of preachers changed to get, what do we need to do to get people into the church? And so the theology has changed, and they got away from the pure Word of God. And hopefully, I pray every day that I'm preaching the pure Word of God. I'd rather preach to ten than to a thousand. I'd rather preach to ten people who want to hear it and they want to live it than to a thousand who are just here for the entertainment. So that's just where I'm at in that. Our lesson today is going to come out of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. This is not a lectionary sermon, this is my own. But this is a sermon to me, it's necessary. This is a sermon I put on the full armor of God. 
so a real quick question, please. You all turn there in your Bibles, or it's up there on the screen. As you turn there, get ready for it. Uh, who locked their house when they come to church today? Anybody lock their house when they come to church? Who here, you're in the church, you're, in, you're on the edge of holy ground. This is holy ground right here, so your cars are parked on the edge of holy ground. Who locked their car? Man, that little blue truck out there, the keys are in it. you got to figure out how to get the door open, but the keys are in it. Uh, uh, motorcycle, I'm not sure anybody else here rides a motorcycle like I do, but you know, we wear protective gear. Hazardous jobs, if you got a hazardous job like a football coach, you probably wear a helmet. Uh, at this job, we wear protective gear. In our cars, we wear seatbelts. Why we do? Why? Locking our house. Locking our car. Why do we lock our house and lock our cars? Real quick. Nobody breaks in, so we're safe. At night, we lock the doors, so we're safe. What are you doing today to lock Satan out of your life? We do all these things to protect ourselves, and yet we allow Satan to come into our lives. He got to come into our lives, it comes into our marriages and everything else. Let us read the scripture, and we're going to move on to that. Now, chapter 6, verse 10, now the New King James Version. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having sawed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take up the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, with watchful, uh, and being watchful to this end with all the perseverance and supplications for all the saints. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Man, we ought to be great at that. There we go. Uh, so we, we do this. I'm not going to cover the armor pieces. Charles Stanley has a great sermon on all, what all the pieces mean. Uh, we don't really have the time for that. For this study today, uh, Number one, to realize when you're in an argument with your spouse or a fellow worker or your child or somebody in the church, the Bible tells us you are not warring against flesh and blood, you are warring against who? There we go. The devil comes in to steal and to destroy. The devil's always coming in. And so many times, the devil wants our marriages to fail. He wants our friendships to fail. He wants us to fail at work. He wants us to fail in the church. He wants us to fail. He comes to kill and to destroy. And so remember this always, that when the strike of arguments coming along, that most of the time the devil is involved. That doesn't mean we can't get mad. We can't be yelling how to fight, fight, 
quite uh, biblically there, or, or to discuss biblically. Uh, the principalities, just real quick there on that. The, he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age. Uh, one day we might do a, a Bible study on angels and demons. That is the ranking of demons. Uh, for this sermon today, the devil, Satan, and demons are all going to be the same, but they're different. Satan is Lucifer. He was the big morning star. Uh, he was the guy, that, and we go into that later, but uh, he was the born, big, bright morning star. He was the first of all angels created. He was the most beautiful angel created. And he fell. He, he rebelled against God, and he took a bunch of other angels with him. Not all angels have the same power. They didn't lose their power. They lost their position in heaven. That is important. The demons, we call them demons today, they're fallen angels. They did not lose their power. They have lost their position. And the lowest ranking demon is more powerful than you and I. And that's, that's important to know. And here's what's funny is, how many people don't believe in Satan or the demons? I mean, people just know about a preacher. I don't believe in that. This is usually my crazy sermon. Either you'll think I'm all right or you'll think I'm crazy after today. Uh, probably a little both there. So, uh, so demons are devil. Uh, there, there, there's a bunch of them, and we're just going to just know that there's a bunch of them. But they are created beings. They're not omnipresent, not omnipowerful like God. They are created beings. Uh, so we just got to know that too. Uh, some of the attributes of demons, real quick. You need to know your enemy. Know your enemy. So just some of them I come up with real quick. Demons are proud. Uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy 3, 6. They are, this is one of the important, they are fierce and cruel. They come into the, to steal and to destroy and to kill. Uh, just remember that. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. They're powerful. Jude 9. This is where the archangel Michael goes against uh, Lucifer. Uh, and, and there's a the power struggle there. We also see this in Daniel too. They're deceitful, Ephesians 6, 11. And, uh, and so just know that with demons. The main thing with demons are they are to destroy anything that is good. They are here to destroy anything that's good. All good gifts come from who? God. And they are here to destroy anything that God brings good. The number one thing, and they are very successful at this today in our lives, the number one thing they are destroying that is successful is destroying the church, it's destroying our schools, it's destroying everything else. Can anybody come up with the number one thing they're destroying in our country and the world, really? I'm just going to say our country for today. What's the one thing they're destroying? Anybody real quick? Family. Family. There we go. Family. We're on target right there. If I can destroy the family, if we can destroy the family, you just mess up everything else. Everything else, uh, the whole abortion thing and all this stuff is a battle against the devil. It is a battle against the devil. The devil goes along. Marriage. He's real quick on marriage. This is not really so much a, a marriage talk here. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 through 6. I would recommend every married couple read that. Because when I do marriage counseling, which I don't do very well, I don't do very often, I can summarize marriage problems, by the time they get to me, into two categories. Money, and since we got kids here, marital relations. 
there we go. Who laughed over there? And uh, let me bump it for you. Uh, it goes along. Because of lack of money or misuse of money or something else with money, it seems marital relations fall apart. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says, when you start denying each other that, Satan enters into your life. How affairs are born and everything else. So uh, uh, you, need to, you need to watch that. Uh, the devil is trying to uh, destroy your children. Uh, look, I don't think that people are going to college. Look at college today. How many liberal professors there are uh, teaching our kids. How many public schools and all this other stuff have been going along? Two great books. They're plausible books. They're not so much uh, like history books or anything. They're great books that understand how the devil is working today in our lives. Number one, it's an older book, Frank Peretti, Piercing the Darkness. A modern, updated book is he will talk about the destruction power of pornography in your children's lives. Uh, Hudson Parker, On the Edge. I promise you, if you were read one of those two books, come to church in the middle of the night and hear a bump, you will wonder. <laughs> you will wonder. Uh, and so, so the whole part of this sermon is, I'm going to cut to another part in just a second, the devil is a lot. He's real. The devil and his demons. So just remember, I'm putting them all, I'm looking them all together for today's sermon. Uh, the devil is real. He is powerful. He has come to destroy. Why do I bring this sermon up to where I'm at? Uh, somebody talked to me about sermons in a good way. They've enjoyed sermons and, and, and how I'm going with them. I'm progressing to a certain point. We've come here. Uh, things have been great. Excitement is great. Church is interacting with us great. Uh, it seems to be growing. The money seems to be getting a little better. And all these things, are measures of the church are doing great. Guess who is not happy when the church is doing great? The devil. He will find a way. And I have been in a church. We were in a church where we did almost 20 baptisms in one Sunday with children. Uh, and the church was growing like fire. And all of a sudden, one person got upset over something that was said at a, another person's house. We did a baptism in somebody else's house, and they're swimming pool. Because I am from the north, and you guys got alligators in your rivers. <laughs> so we baptize in pools, and we want to be submerged. And so that's the whole thing there. But so we go along there on this. We go along there on this. is uh, One thing, one person got upset because two, two kids were talking, and the kids were doing nothing wrong. They squelched the spirit in the whole church, and the church died. How the devil works. The devil does not have power over us if we have the power of Jesus in us. We can control the devil. However, the devil has power because we give him power. How many people have had an argument with your spouse? This is always kind of funny with the preacher, too. How many people have had an argument with your spouse, and when you come to church, you're in a bad mood? And you sit there. Or you got in an argument with another church member, yet on the grass or something, during the week. Well, fine, I'm going to come. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to sit there. I'm just going to sit in church. I'm going to keep my hand closed, and I'm just going to sit there. Who's winning that battle? You or the devil? There we go. And, and that's where I'm going to kind of go with today. I'm going to kind of go about church membership. Let, let me tell you a funny story. This is, he's passed on. He died way too early in life, especially in my life. Jeremy Pitts. 
he was a chaplain. He finally was a wing chaplain out here. Me and this guy bounced around in ministry together. He was always a chaplain. He would either show up to a base or I would show up to a base that he was the chaplain at. And we were just great friends and we were friends of our family. Uh, we were at, I was at Shepherd Air Force Base. He was there. And I was on some committee or something. Well, he said something that made me mad. And three or four of us met. And we sat there. We sat there and said, we know what, we're not going to go. In fact, we didn't go to church the next Sunday. And so Chaplain Pence being a great, he's a good Baptist guy, being a great uh, orator he was, he called us in and said, what's going on, guys? So we told him. And he gave me some of the best advice that I have learned and has helped me in my ministry from that point on when people say something to me that upset me. You know what he said? I won't give you the whole thing that he said because we're in church, but that's okay. Grow up. Grow up. Your feelings got hurt? Tough. What does that have to do with you and the kingdom of God? Do what you're supposed to do. He actually said about putting up on your big boy britches, but he called him something else, and he said, grow up. I'm here to tell you, the church people, we need to grow up. We need to grow up. We have allowed Satan to destroy us for too long. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I won't read the whole thing to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What works great for marriages? And I've run into a lot of marriages, and I've been running at funerals and stuff. But that is Corinthians, 1 and 2 Corinthians. Paul is writing to a dysfunctional church in Corinth. The Corinth had a bunch of problems. They were, they were a worldly church, they had a bunch of problems with it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us. That's, that's how to treat each other in church. That's a, a, a thing how to teach church. Just read it later. But the whole thing I want to get from that, that particular verse there is love holds no record. You got in a couple Sundays, you got coming up a forgiveness sermon. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. Let me bring up forgiveness to you real quick. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 says, If you do not forgive the faults of others, of the trespasses of others, depending on your Bible, I will not forgive yours. Warning. How many sins can you go to heaven with? Real quick. Zero. And if Jesus refuses to forgive your sin, where do you go? Think about it all of a sudden. We have been taught Oh, just do whatever, whatever. I know it's tough. Life is tough. God forgives you. God loves you. And it's only going to be okay. Come blah, where that song goes there. You know, we're going to sing and drink pina coladas or something else. That is not what the Bible says. you got to learn to forgive. And if you're sitting in church, well, I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to do that. I don't care what that person over there said. What they did, they made me mad. The preacher made me mad. That person made me mad. I'm not going to tithe my money no more. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. You have not really forgiven the person and you may die and go to hell. Let's just hear that quickly and loudly. You may die and go to hell because you refuse to forgive somebody of their sins. Love holds no record. Without love, I am nothing. And, and so we've got to realize that. We gotta realize you're going to get a whole forgiveness uh, sermon coming up here real soon. How do we overcome the devil in the church? That's the main part of the sermon here today. How do we overcome the devil in the church? 
The church is to be what? Not the building. Uh, I just heard, we met, we met with uh, Roger Mays yesterday. Uh, Frances Mays is kind of one of the reasons we're still in ministry today, so just love her. Y'all, who's been here long enough besides you, members of the Mays? Anybody here in the 80s? There we go. And uh, he said he was here when the church was burned. When the church burned down, the church over here burned down. I was just talking, and, and you know what y'all did the next week? Yeah, church over here in the fellowship hall. Praise the Lord. Church didn't die. The church is just a building, people. This building is in constant need of repair. The yard grows. The trees are growing. Yeah, just like your house, it's in constant need of repair. The, the, the environment's trying to always bring it back to itself, and we're trying to keep it up. And, and so the church is the people. The church is the people. And, and this covenant we make in, in October, we're going to do a, ser a sermon series on the church, on church membership, and we're going to rededicate ourselves to the church. Church membership, let me bring this up to you real quick. If you're a member of this church, you made a covenant. A covenant relationship. God deals with covenant relationships. You made a covenant relationship not much different than your marriage covenant relationship. And so if you break your covenant relationship with the fellow members of the church, you are in what? Sin. How many sins can I go to heaven with? Oh, Jesus forgives you for that. How many sins can I go to heaven with? None. Uh, and, and so we are in this covenant relationship. The church is the body of Christ. Now, I don't go as to say we're the full body of Christ. We stick in the Baptist, the Church of Christ, and the non-denominational. The church is a whole, because when we first the Bible was first written, you didn't have denomination, as a whole. We have a purpose in the part of the Lake Park community and around the world. You know, Calvary Baptist, the Baptist First, the Church of Christ, uh, the Christian church behind us, they also have a purpose in the community in there. We all should be working together. I'm a big uh, person that the churches should be working together uh, to make our community better. Uh, number one, how do we overcome to that? Get involved in the church. You know, we gotta, we, I'm just going to step on toes right now. we got a sign-up sign out there for yard maintenance and everything else. How many people's come to help work in the yard? Uh, I learned when we were, doing, we were planning a funeral for uh, uh, Bill Blair and the, the food afterwards, and there's no grief committee. They call it grief committee. Well, I always call it the party committee, people playing the food. Nobody signed up for that. We need to, Monday or Tuesday, we need help putting tables up. When we know the exact number of people we're going to feed, we're going to need help putting tables up. Are you involved in your church? Up front, yes or no? You know that answer. You don't have to tell me. Are you involved? If you're a member of the church and you're not involved, you are in sin. Come to church, sitting here, put a few bucks in the offering plate, and just doing nothing is sin. You are breaking the covenant. How would your marriage work if that's all you did? Showed up, gave your wife a paycheck, and that's what I did. I think you're dead. Uh, Tammy, if we could just go from Tammy to Tammy, <laughs> it'd be easier on me. Uh, but so, and, and I didn't say nothing or do anything else. I gave the check, I got on my motorcycle, and I just rode away and come back next week and gave a check and, and got on my motorcycle and rode away. How long do you think somebody's going to put up with that on marriage? Your marriage is not going to last if that's all you do in your marriage. Your church relationship, you will never grow in Christ 
going along. I'll sit there and hear people talk about it. I've, I've been to churches. I've normally been a small, but you all talk about you're a small church. You're a big church to me. A uh, small church. And I'll sit there and say, man, we want a, we want a Bible study. We, we would sure like a Bible study preacher. Because I always like I've done here, ask, well, what, what do you want for the future? What do you see in the future? Well, preacher, we'd love to have a Bible study. And so I'd create a Bible study. But then I got thinking, how long have you been coming to church? How long have you been coming to church? Oh, I've been a member of this church for 40 years. When was the last time you taught a Bible study? Man, that kind of goes, gets tough, does it not? When was the last time you taught a Bible study? When was the last time you discipled somebody? When was the last time that somebody come to faith or come better to faith because of you? When was, it, when was that last time? Are you an active participant? Do you have a passion for God? Or are you just a pew sitter? I mean, going along there, are we in the game or are we in the stands? There is a time for rest. But in the Methodist Church, when I first joined the Methodist Church, Tammy and I are not born and raised Methodist. She's got to understand that. Uh, basic chapel, uh, just being a Christian and then Methodist, I couldn't spell Presbyterian, so I'm a Methodist. And we're untied Methodist, I thought it was the first. That's a whole other story. But so we go along there, uh, but here we are, we're in the, we're in the church, we're in the Methodist church. And when I got in the church, we were at Beans, United Methodist, where we start out at, where we were called from. Man, the first charge conference they had, I don't remember if people remember that, there was like a theme to it. They did a Gilligan's Island team. A charge conference was this big fun thing. The whole church did it, they did the thing, and they had like a party, and they had food, and it was a good time. Then all of a sudden that started to die, unless people started coming to charge conference and everything else. And there was this program that came out of the Methodist church, it was called Boundaries. And learning to say no. And sometimes that's needed. Sometimes we need boundaries, and sometimes we need to learn to say no. But you know what that did to the church? The devil's biggest and most powerful word that he taught the church, no. Mine, I love this, is, hey, would you get on this committee or would you help over here? Preacher, I need to pray about it. Just say no. Save us both the trouble. Just be honest and say, no, I don't really want to do that. No, preacher, I'm not going to do it. Say no. The devil has taught the church members to say no and not feel guilty about it. And the church is suffering today. Not just Lake Park United Methodist, the whole Western church is suffering today. Get, want to overcome the devil? Get involved in your church. Get involved in your, go to Bible study. Who do like going to Bible study? Get, get your kids involved in your church. How do we ever let kids make their own decision? We didn't go to, I didn't grow up in the church, but when we went to church, I had a drug problem. When my dad, my mom said we were going to church, my dad says, I got to go to church. He drug us to church, whether we wanted to go or not. I don't care what age we were, we were drunk to church. Shut up, sit there, don't make a sound. Anybody else remember those days in there? And we were furniture. Uh, and so I got some funny stories about early church as a kid. But so going along with that. Number two is get involved in the community around where you live. Satan wants to destroy everything, including our community and our closeness in our community. He wants to destroy it. And so get involved. Get involved in your church. Come to Bible study. Help teach Bible study. Get involved with the children. Do all the other stuff. Here's the next one. The Bible says here in our scripture says, start praying for the saints and, and the people. The saints are the believers in the church. We need to be praying for each other. 
We need to get involved in each other's lives. I wrote an article, and I know it was read. It was read by the Diaz because she called me. And, and, uh, and said, I sat there and said, because one of the things at Lake Park, I'm just going to talk, I'm stepping on toes today, so I'm just going to keep on doing that. There's this thing between the 9 o'clock service and the 11 o'clock service. We don't know each other. Da, 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 da. That's just normal people. And I've had to say that to many people. But I was talking about, I was going to talk to somebody in the 11 o'clock service. And at the 11 o'clock sermon, I'll be talking about somebody in the 9 o'clock service. So just know that with the sermon. Uh, and so I was talking to somebody, and I was mentioning somebody else in the church. They're like, who's that? I know another member. I know the member's been here for a while. The person's been coming to church for 10 years. The other person's been coming to church for their whole life almost. I said, before you worry about the 9 o'clock service, worry about the person that sits on the other side. We need to get to know one another. That's why we're going to have some things coming up, uh, uh, movies and things like that, to get to know each other. Get involved in each other's life. Let me tell you how to do this real quick. Because the next one is, uh, uh, the next part is, well, that person over there is, well, you know, Hey, let me tell you what, we're all messy people. We're all messy people. We're all sinners saved by the grace of God. We all agree on that? Let me tell you, I got another sermon I sometimes preach called the crazy sermon because we're all crazy at just different levels and it depends how we view it. You're crazy, I'm crazy, we're all crazy. And so we just get to realize the world is crazy, we're all crazy people, and we're going along. And we need to be involved in each other. We need to be praying for each other. You don't know how to do that? Let me give you a quick thing. There's a little book. Uh, I got one. It's a little out of date, but it's got the church members in it. We need to add an update and stuff, but that's okay. Get that book, take it with you, put it in your Bible, wherever else you're going, and start praying for the people inside that book. Start praying for them. Start praying for the people inside that book. Oh, we got communion today, too. Thank you. Somebody's wondering what. Uh, the last thing I'll say about that is we need to work together. Work together and building the church for Jesus Christ. And when we talk about praying the scriptures or praying the scriptures, that there's no substitute for Bible study, reading the, reading the scriptures, there's no substitute for prayer, none of these things are a substitute for it. And one of the things that helps defeat the devil is communion. Uh, is communion.
And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. He's going to help me the, the music team to come first, and then we'll have everybody else now. We have visitors here today. I know we have some visitors here today. The table is open to everyone. The table is open to everyone. take their position and sings. Come forward to receive. Everyone is welcome. Here's the invitation. The Christ, Christ invites you to take all who love him, who earnestly repented of sin, who wish to live in peace with one another. You do not have to be a member of this church to receive communion. So come forward now.
been in your presence. We've sung and praised worship with you. We've even put you into our body. Let us go forth in this power in which you have given 